Hello and welcome to the Feedback Force podcast, the game design analysis podcast of the End Defender community. I'm Kelso. I'm Kyla. And I'm Carl. And if we're all laughing uh, a little bit, chuckling at this intro, it's because we already did the intro. And we talked about the the last couple of weeks for like... Yeah, we've spent about 20 minutes 20 chatting. minutes, <laughs> and I realized that we had not started the recorder. So, uh, you're going to get the speedrun version of what we've been doing for the past couple of weeks, which admittedly is not much. So, uh, yeah. Kyla, I, you've been... I was in the middle of talking about Kingdom Hearts Union Cross for some reason, yeah. so I'm going to keep talking about Kingdom Hearts Union Cross, despite not having, despite it having nothing to do with the past few weeks. Yeah, no, that's fine. I'll just, I'll just say we were talking about. Um, there have been some spoilers for from, I guess, dark, not spoilers, but like new uh, insights content, about Xehanort. Yeah. Thanks to Dark Road, and I was extremely delighted by the um, the revelation that Xehanort is bald not because of um, male pattern baldness, but because he shaves his head. He looks like that on purpose. And let me let me just good for you, Xehanort. Good job, buddy. Let's see. Let's see if we can trace this backwards. So I was complaining about uh, the fact that. Union Cross is like 450 levels, and this, there's only story in like the last 75 or so of them, uh, and maybe like you know half a dozen episodes prior to that. Uh, yeah, and that I, are I think scattered throughout. That had uh, come up because you were watching somebody play the 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 Kingdom Hearts DLC, and I yeah. went into Xehanort, <laughs> and we started talking about Dark Road and and just how the mobile games are not very good. Yes. And we got there I because I was it. talking about not wanting to do the DLC boss fights in Kingdom Hearts 3 because they seem hard and that's not why I, want, I play Kingdom Hearts. Yeah. And like, it's fine if other people play them and I just watch the cutscenes. And we got onto that because you were talking about not wanting to play the vampire missions in Morrowind. Yes, we did get into that because I didn't, I don't want to, yeah, vampire, being a vampire in Morrowind uh, sucks and you basically can't do anything um, other than kill people and get attacked in towns so not really the the the, uh the optimal morrowind experience um which again i am still playing morrowind hello i will never be sorry yeah and yeah we talked about because you were you were going back into playing morrowind again as a comfort game and just god moding all over the place yeah that's fine yeah which is worth doing uh let's see before that i was talking about playing Two Point Campus, which I've been enjoying a lot because I like to build spaces and, and place rooms and organize buildings in, in fun ways. Um, I was complaining that they don't have the Jasmine Odyssey tracks in the new one because that was one of my favorite things about Two Point Hospital was uh, listening to Fish Whispers and Nice Smelling Face on repeat, which I didn't mention this the first time around. In Two Point Hospital, those are secret tracks. Um, How does that work? So there's a there's a whole big um, like audio menu. Um, cause there, there's like hours and hours and hours of DJ content, and then in between the DJ content, they play. You know, there's a there's a soundtrack. There's like a set of like lyricless, just ambient music, kind of not exactly elevator music, but music. And this is maybe the only game I've seen do this, but if you go into the audio settings, they actually have the entire track list, and you can check or uncheck any particular song if there's one that you, like, don't like and don't want to listen to. 
And by default, every song on that list is checked except the two Jasmine Odyssey songs with lyrics. So you have to find them in the audio menu and check them on in order to put them in the rotation. Oh, that's interesting. That is, yeah, that is very, I, the only other like game that I can think of that does something similar is Valhalla. And that's just because you have to build the playlists every time you open the bar. That's cool. I like that. I like yeah. just little, little menu secrets are nice. And so, you know, that's kind of a cute thing. And the uh, you'll hear snippets of those two songs because one of the repeating ads that the DJs play is for Jasmine Odyssey's album. And so, you know, the, as part of the album advertisement, there'll be two little snippets, uh, one of each of those songs. And uh, so you're like, oh, that's, you know, that's cute. I wonder what that, you know, that's all about. And then you can actually go and play the full songs, which is great. Um, so I'm very sad that they do not have any... Uh, either new or old Jasmine Odyssey stuff. And they actually took out that entire system of like checking on and off the music in the menu for, for Two Point Campus. I think because they only have like two or three songs, like two or three tracks. So it would feel kind of like very silly yeah. to have that. But Yeah, I got you. I, yeah, I, now I'm thinking about just the, the whole idea of turning on and off tracks in in games like that. Like, I I wish they would have had something like that in The Sims 1, because there were definitely some songs that I just got fucking tired of, tired of hearing when I was building my house. Yeah, I mean, eventually, in games like that, you usually end up, like, muting the game and playing your own music, right? Yeah. Um, Absolutely. Not that Sims music isn't iconic, and I could definitely, like, recognize it if I heard it, but... It is. Yeah, it does get repetitive if you spend like hours and hours just yeah, working on a house. Funny how that works out. Music that is pretty much intended to be as nondescript as possible, but the second the second I hear it playing, you know, somewhere, you're like, oh, like, oh, this I Sims. need to build something right now. I need, <laughs> I need to decorate my home. Yep. Yeah. Ah, uh, <sighs> let's see. What else can we talk about? I am on a crusade to find uh, a specific plant. Um, I, cause I, so I have, I've been, you know, since the beginning of the year working on my bioactive tank and there've been ups and downs with it and it's mostly fine, but there were a couple plants that like didn't really thrive in the tank. So I took them out. Um, and a couple of them were some of the pothos vines I had planted and pothos, mm like is like the number one thing people recommend for tanks like this because it is hardy af like you it's very difficult to kill pothos yeah um the only reason that these particular ones did not were not doing well is because they were root bound because i had tried to plant them in like i'd put like little backs like planters in the background and like on a little shelf in the thing that just had kind of a thin layer of soil so it wasn't really enough soil to support the plant because gotcha, it would yeah. it would grow to fill the space, and then the roots couldn't expand anymore, and it would start to die. Um, so I took those out, and just kind of on a whim, I put them in little jars of water on the windowsill. And of the, like, four or five that I removed, two of them just came back to life in these little jars of water. So I'm like, I'm yeah, like, I guess nice. that's how hardy they must be. If, yeah. they're, if they can come back from the brink of death and being being root-bound and... The, yep. the whatever you know plant trauma they sustained from being removed and put into water yeah yeah so i'm like okay well you know i ought to give these little guys a chance so i went to my local plant nursery 
uh, to, you know, get a, a nice pot for them so I could, like, actually repot them in some real soil. Uh, and God, it's so dangerous to go to a garden store because <laughs> there's so many lovely plants that I want. Um, oh. And so I, I got a big pot and I planted them around the outside and uh, I, inspired by something I saw at the garden store, I also got a big snake plant to put in the middle, which is just like these big upright, uh, like mm -hmm. flat bladed leaves. It's technically a succulent, but like it's a lot more moisture tolerant than most succulents. Um, yeah, my parents had a huge, like, massive, giant snake plant that um that they <laughs> it was like too big to move when they moved out of their house. So they <laughs> they basically just like I think I don't remember if they had to break the pot to get it out, but they they separated a few you know a few shoots out, and that's what they're working with now. But <laughs> the thing was a monster, like it yeah. was taller than me in yeah, the pot. Depending so. on the uh, depending on the variety you get, they can get huge. And the one yeah. I got hopefully won't get larger than like two feet max. But um, I I figured you know like well I'll I'll get uh, you know I know that the, I have a bromeliad in there right now and they're kind of short lived like they don't usually live more than three years or so. Mm -hmm. So like maybe if the snake plant is thriving, I can replace the bromeliad with a snake plant. You know. If it's if it's doing well at that point, and until then it can live in this little pot with my pothos, yeah, because um, I want the pothos to be like around the edge and you know draping over it, and it'll, I think it'll be good. But while I was there, uh, I also got talked into uh, by one of the the people working there uh, getting some miniature oak leaf creeping fig, which I recommend looking up because um, I'm looking it up right now. Yeah, miniature oak leaf creeping fig, uh, or just fig. Um, it's it's a little like viney plant, and it has these super tiny little leaves that are shaped like little oak leaves, and it's very very cute. Oh, that is um, so cute. Yes, oh, I love that so much. In oh, as much that's... as plants can be cute, it is a very cute plant. Um, and I tried to I tried to separate it into root bundles, but I think I probably like weakened it too much. I think I must have broken some roots that were connecting parts of it to each other because I planted it in like three separate spots and two of them like immediately dried up and died. Um, and one of them is doing, is still alive, but it's kind of struggling. So I want to get some more like big full ones and not wreck them this time and see if I can plant them around and get them to grow up uh, like and and they're they're like clinging vines so they will hopefully like cover the background and you know grow up the sides and I think that would be really pretty so yeah, actually that that's what I'm gonna have to remember I'm uh, as we go into fall and winter I I want to plant I, I want to have like two because we've got our backyard has pretty much nothing in it besides a shed and like a tree um, and I want to put like maybe two raised beds back there and do some like you know vegetable gardening and i want to do like a plot of just like native plants um for you know bees and birds and pollinators and stuff like that um but i I think that the mini oak mini oak fig would be good like ground cover because we don't get a huge amount of sunlight back there and it's mm -hmm. it says low sun and high humidity and i think maybe maybe i could swing that so yeah. that's a good one that's a good one to be aware of um, I am dreading, <laughs> dreading going to the garden center. There's one that I'll probably go to. It's not too far from where I work. So it's like maybe 15 minutes from where I live. Um, and it's, it looks nice. And, 
very i don't know it just looks like they have a ton of stuff there so i'm looking forward to but also not looking forward to um the amount of money that i know i'm gonna spend but oh it's so nice to just be around nature and like sit in a garden store and feel like i don't know like you're breathing more oxygen than usual yeah yeah Uh, hopefully i can have Hopefully I can have some of that in my backyard. If nothing else, even if I don't get a raised bed put together, I want to get like a, like some of those just like cheap stacking planters and have an herb garden outside my kitchen door. What's I'm that? pissed about nature. Oh, I was is it still picking, super hot? I was out picking blueberries today and it rained. Oh, I, I was going to say, did you get a sunburn? But I guess that's not quite so bad, but that's still pretty bad getting stuck out in the rain. Yeah. But on the other hand, blueberries. Blueberries. So, yeah. It's hopefully, uh, hopefully we're like at the ripe blackberries part of the season, and I can go out and get a bunch of good blackberries. Yeah, I've been. Um, it's peach season too, and I've been, I've been eating so many peaches for the last like three weeks. I've been going. I ate a peach today. It was great. It was like just on the verge of being too ripe. I think I've. I think I've probably eaten like maybe three pounds of peaches um, in the last couple weeks. I baked nice. a peach dessert to bring over to the, the boyfriend's parents' place last weekend. That went over really well. So, nice. yeah. Peaches and blackberries. Yeah, blackberries. Yeah, I would grow some peaches. blackberries, but... Combination. Yeah. I would oh, grow good. some blackberries, but I know they're like... They kind of tend to take over. I'd have to be pretty strategic about that. Yeah, that's the the thing for anybody who has not been to the Pacific Northwest. Uh, blackberries are an invasive species here, and they also, grow I... by the side of every road. Yeah, uh, and they overgrow like wild. Yeah, I also don't know if I could even grow blackberries here. It might be too hot. I think it probably is too hot. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what their uh, what their tolerances are. Yeah, um, I know look. the ones that grow it direct in direct sunlight here tend to get like ripe berries way sooner than the ones that are partially shaded so probably they're very light sensitive oh i guess it says five to eight zones five to eight i'm in zone eight here so and there are even some cold weather blackberries up to zone four okay well i can maybe swing that and i want to grow some lavender Ooh. i don't i, I just i've always <clears throat> just to have a nice smelling section of your yard just to have a nice smelling section of the yard and i don't i think it would be nice to make like lavender syrup drink it with some i don't know gin maybe gin and lavender syrup that sounds really good um probably or tasty put it in tea plus you'll, at, you'll attract all the bumblebees they love yeah. The lavender yeah i know i want to yeah i want to have i want to have some some nice bee and butterfly plants um yeah i think that's that's one of the things that i want to do i don't know i've got so many ideas that i gotta really like i gotta really temper my um my planning to the amount of effort that I'm actually willing to put in to maintain these things. Does uh does milkweed grow natively in your area at all? Yeah, uh, I think there's like a specific type of milkweed that's um that's like, you know, a, a, like a specific kind of variety of milkweed that is kind of around in the, the it's the tidewater areas where I live. It's like that's what the the zone is called. I think there's yeah, milkweed. Yeah, I, I have a whole PDF that I downloaded from like the the Hampton Roads um like botanical society nice. um about like here's all the native plants and here's their like the, their 
tolerance for sun and moisture and heat and here's you know does this attract birds does this attract bees does this attract butterflies um, i was gonna say yeah if you want monarch butterflies milkweed. milkweed yeah absolutely and i mean i guess i could just go up to the botanical there's a botanical gardens up uh, maybe like 30 minutes away from here that i could go to and i'm sure if i go to the botanical gardens and start asking questions they'll be they'll love me they'll yeah, love answering sure. my questions so, i'm sure yeah, yeah, we used to have uh, milkweed in our in our yard in Pennsylvania, and you would always see the the butterflies. Plus, they're fun because they have uh, the way they do their seeds is they have these little pods, um, and if you they're eventually like the pods will sort of get brown and open up, and then it will like there'll be a bunch of floof inside that will blow away. Yeah, yeah, and it will have seeds on it. If you, but if you pry open before they're ready, which you shouldn't do because it's bad for the plant. But I did a lot as a kid. Um, if you pick the pod and pry it open before uh, it's fully ready, it looks like a tiny fish inside. It's like this weird little kind of oval shape with like the scales of the seeds oh. just all along it, kind of like very silvery and. Uh, and like laid flat against the surface, and then if, if you peel it apart, you can see like the little fluff behind it, and it's it's really beautiful, actually. Uh, now I have to grow milkweed just so I can like open up a pod yeah. and just I see mean, how I, that goes. I don't know if your native variety is the same as the one I grew up with, but that's my that's my milkweed memories. Yeah, I figure it can't be that different. So hopefully, yeah, maybe. Not. Um, assuming assuming it still attracts monarchs, it has to be at least close enough to uh that's why that's what makes monarch butterflies poisonous is because they ingest uh the like the milk the like milky sap from the milkweed right and yeah. uh, that's like toxic they like you know keep the toxins in their system so that things that eat them uh get poisoned so, um, God now I'm just looking at at all these plants I can buy I can buy let's see. <laughs> Let's see. Native it's, Virginia, cardinal so flowers, great blue lobelia, foxglove beard tongue, and black-eyed Susans. I do like black-eyed Susans. Some, those are some great names. But was yeah. a fox-eyed beard tongue? What? Foxglove fox beard tongue. It's fox a type. It's, so it's like a foxglove, like one of those like kind of trumpety flowers that they attract uh, hummingbirds. Oh yeah, my parents have, have like a bunch of hummingbird feeders out on their porch now. And uh, when I was when I went back for my sister's wedding, we were sitting on the porch and like, they are loud. You get a couple hummingbirds close together and it's like a little miniature like plane overhead. They, they make this really loud buzz with their flapping. Yeah, I'm like, I, I know it's it's stupid, but I'm like almost scared to have uh, hummingbird plants or hummingbird feeders out here because... Um, like in in Colorado, in like the mountains in Colorado, they my parents have a hummingbird feeder at their house up there. The hummingbirds are fucking mean. Like they will, if you're out there while there's hummingbirds around trying to feed, they'll like buzz around your head. It's really scary, and I I don't want to deal with that. But I don't think the hummingbirds here are quite so bad. I don't know what it is about the little guys up in Colorado. They're but just man, very aggressive. They are super territorial. It is, it is legit. Like, if I saw a hummingbird, I would go inside. Like, I'm not dealing with this. No, thank you. They can't, they're tiny. They, they can't really hurt you. I don't want to get dive-bombed in the eye, though. I think they're mostly... That's the wasp. Well, yes. Yeah. But the hummingbirds don't sting, though. They're little birds. 
Like I know that their that their beaks are probably not like that rigid, but I just I get the idea of like a hummingbird. I don't know, like zipping itself into my shoulder like a dart, like a poison dart, just like going into the side of my neck and putting me to sleep. Um, I think they're mostly I think they're mostly aggressive and territorial towards other hummingbirds. Yeah, still it's it's uh it was it was it's it's hard to convey um how threatening. <laughs> How threatening those hummingbirds were. All right, um, but yeah, no, I'll probably yeah. I don't know. I just I just got to get something, and of course, I probably will grow some catnip or something for the for all the outside cats. As yeah. as ill advised as an idea that is, like they're already they're already shitting all over my yard. <laughs> like whatever, I'll deal with that. I'll figure out. How does gonna... how does your non feral cat feel about the uh, the outdoor cats? You know, he mostly ignores them. Like, sometimes he'll sit in his tree and they'll be out there eating. Um, because I feed him, like, right next to the shed, which you can see from my office window. And sometimes he'll kind of sit and look at them. And other times they'll be out there and I'll pick him up and say, look, it's your outside friends. And he'll just completely ignore them. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> he's he's pretty uh pretty uninterested he dis disdains the poor proletariat that must suffer for their meals no i think he's just too dumb to realize that <laughs> they're also cats he's cat and they are cat too um probably not but you know i think he's used to seeing them around anyway i think what i'm gonna have to do is uh just put a big pile of mulch somewhere out of the way like on the side of the house that nobody can see and hope that they just poop in there they do like to poop in the mulch um like in in the front of the yard, so that might just be the plan. Just like have the designated cat shitting zone. Yeah, I don't give know. them a big outdoor litter box, basically. Yeah, basically, and we want to get some, like, build some feral cat shelters for the winter, so yeah. that they have somewhere cozy to cuddle up. Yeah, so, poor yeah. kitties. Yeah, it's it doesn't it's it's actually like not too bad of a place. Like it gets hot in the summer, but they've got a lot of shade. I put out water for them. And in the winter it doesn't get too too cold. So it's they're they're pretty well situated and I think that's why there's such a problem <laughs> with feral cats in Virginia Beach because it's just so easy for them to reproduce around here. Yeah, um, well that's I think I mentioned before the uh like um capture capture neuter release. Yeah, and uh, I've definitely perhaps looking into that as well yeah. um yeah a little late for the batch that's out there now but yeah it's a it's a good it's a good health thing for feral yeah. populations so they don't get out of control mm -hmm. yeah uh they had kittens at the pet store i went down to uh to the pet store yesterday to get some some crickets for escher as a treat and uh they they had a visiting like cat shelters had to set up a, a little booth in the front where they had a bunch of different like pages oh, of kittens and they were so is. cute that they were is. all they were all either full black or like black and white spot kittens and i'm like oh i want one i think i might be close to convincing ev that we should get another cat um we were talking about maybe trying to trap one of the outside cats i was like look you don't it's not going to be the way you think it is if we if we capture one of the outside cats and bring it inside. Like that's not oh, yeah. going to go the yeah. way you want it to. Um, that won't go well. If you get like if they're not um like neutered or spayed yet and you get to 
like the really young ones when they're just kittens and start mm-hmm. uh acclimating them to humans then you could bring in one of them but you yeah. shouldn't you shouldn't mess with the adults that have been feral their whole lives oh yeah no and that even rarely goes no. well yeah the ones that we've got that are they're still pretty young but they're they're definitely old enough to fend for themselves and i wouldn't try that with them either but there's a couple when i go out and feed them in the morning there's a couple that'll kind of sit nearby and just watch me fill their food um which is yeah at least aren't they don't at least aren't afraid of you yeah that don't like run away immediately and then there's a there's a a bunch more that will like i can see them on the other side of the fence like peeking through i can just see their little eyes (laughs) um so they at least know by now that i'm not gonna i'm not gonna do anything but fill up their food so give them give them deliciousness yep Yep. Well, oh, the babies. I hope they do well during the winter. Yeah. Our little guys. Yeah, but like I, mean, I said, we're going to build some shelters for them. So. Yeah, they uh the the cats at the at the pet store, they put the they set up their little booth directly across from the birds, which I feel like was I mean, I guess it's fine. The birds are behind glass and the cats are in their own separate enclosure. But uh, I feel like if I was in the, if I was one of those birds, that would make me nervous. Yeah, I guess that's a good way to ensure that, like, you're, you know, the cats that you're trying to get adopted are, like, really engaged and sort excited. of active yeah, in lively. their environment. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. so funny. But they, I love this pet store. It's like a locally owned uh, pet store that, you know, has been in the area for, I don't know, 40 years or something like that. And uh, they've got like these like open topped bins with uh, guinea pigs and rabbits that you can just pet. And they've got a whole room in the back with fish and like all set up in different tanks and aquatic plants. And they've got a wall of reptiles and a wall of birds and a wall of like small rodents. And it's it's a it's a very nice place. I feel I feel similarly being in pet stores as I do to being in garden stores, where it's just like very comforting to me to be surrounded by animals. Yeah, <clears throat> although I don't know, it's there. There aren't a lot of like nice pet shops uh, around here. It's all like mm. the big box, like the Petco's and the Pet Supply Plus, yeah. which is definitely not as nice of an experience, um, especially when you walk through the aquarium section and you definitely see some dead fish in the tanks. Yeah, but. If I, man, if I had a pet store nearby that let me just handle the guinea pigs, they would have to probably take legal action to keep me out of there. Um, <laughs> I would be in there all the time, just touching, touching the piggies. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, like, they, they, they have a sign that says, like, you may pet, but please do not, like, grab or pick up. Okay. Um, and so, you know, it's, it's. If you, it's kind of a matter of, like, if they want to be touched, because if they're unhappy, they will, like get her into one of their little like plastic houses and, and not come back out but some yeah, of them are, are chill enough that you can like just reach in and pet them the rabbits are so soft yeah my sister had rabbits for a while um i don't know why she got rap she was clearly like not equipped to take care of the rabbits mm-hmm. um and eventually i think her mother-in-law ended up taking them but man those rabbits they were they were very soft yeah yeah. I had a friend in grad school who had a pet rabbit that was like litter box trained and everything and she was very a very big advocate of rabbits as pets. She she loved her rabbit so much. Yeah. I know before we got Garth when we were catless, I was like 
really thinking i was like really really researching getting a getting rats again mm. i do like rats rats are my my rodent pet of choice i know it's a edgy 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 pick um but they are yeah they are very sweet they're sweet little guys they're smart too so yeah no i mean i i could see having a pet rat i think they'd probably be a little bit more interesting to interact with than gerbils which is what i had growing up yeah i had some hamsters we had hamsters as a kid as kids um and we had a couple guinea pigs as well um i've only ever had cats yeah, our parents didn't, like, trust us enough to let us have dogs or cats. Um, I think, I mean, I think they just didn't want to deal with them, which would be yeah. the case if I you're getting them for like, your cats. I kind of feel like cats and dogs are almost easier pets than guinea pigs and, and stuff, because to some extent they, like, take care of themselves and they, like, notify you if they need something. Yeah, exactly. Like, Whereas, like, if something small that's in a tank by itself that doesn't make a ton of noise, like, you have to monitor pretty regularly, and, like, you know, you can kill it by accident very easily. Yeah. Yeah, we did finally get the cats when I was, like, 11, but that was, that was, like, my first air quotes real pet. Not that, not that, you know, the hamsters and guinea pigs weren't real pets, but it yeah. didn't feel, it doesn't feel that way when you're a kid, I guess. Yeah, that's um, fair. And then I got the rat by accident when I was, like, I don't know, 17 maybe. Um, the coffee shop that I used to... Yeah, the coffee shop that I used to hang out at all the time. Um, someone just came in one day. Um, it was someone that I knew, kind of, like, not super close to, but it's someone that I knew and that we'd talked before, and they're like, so, uh, do you know anyone who's looking for, like, who would want a pet rat? And it's like, I... I mean... If if you give me the the choice, I will take it. So they just had a rat, like in in their car. It wasn't like the middle of summer. It was it was fine, but they just had a rat. And they're like, "You want this rat?" I was like, "Yeah, I'll take this rat." Um, so I brought it home and I like kept it secret from my parents for a while. My mom found out, but I don't know that my stepdad ever did. Um, until very late in the game, uh, and then I moved away to college and had to give it to a friend. But yeah, love that little rat. Her name was Cujo. Aww. I didn't name her. That was her name already. But it was a good name. Good name yeah. for a... It's just a bloodthirsty little rat that <laughs> loved to hang out in my hoodie hood. I was gonna say, did you... Was it one that you could just, like, handle a bunch and hang out with and just... Hold? Yeah, yeah, she was pretty chill. Um, Yeah, she would just kind of... I'd put her on my bed, and we'd, we'd chill out, or I'd... If I was, like, home alone, I would put her in my, my hood... And just like kind of walk around the house and you know make lunch or whatever, <laughs> feed her some fruits. Yeah, she was a good girl. So yeah, rats are great. Aww. Anyway, I think we've um we've made up for <laughs> for all of our lost time. Um, if we want to get into the game or not, we can keep talking about little guys. Yeah. No, I'm I'm I could keep talking about like the pet store or Escher, but. Uh... Let's get into the game. We played an interesting game, and it's worth chatting about. Yeah, we played a game that features some rats and some dogs. Yeah, and the, rats, the rats are fish. not heavily featured. Yeah, there's I know there's definitely rats though, and some fish, and some pigs, some, some baby chickens, some baby chickens, um, and some terrifying water children, um, and zombie men. We played uh, Inside by Play Dead. The uh, same developer that made Limbo, mm -hmm. um, I think a 
better game than Limbo, although honestly I didn't give Limbo that much of a chance, although I don't I don't think that's a particularly controversial take. Opinion. Yeah. Yeah. I I did to to sort of warm up for this, I did skim through a let's play of Limbo and a like explaining the story video um to just kind of refresh myself. And I do want to have a conversation on why I feel like Inside is a better game than Limbo. But let's let's just do a little like overview of Inside first. I'm going to have the hot takes here, I think. Yeah, oh, hot takes. Love okay. It. Um, um yeah. It's a Inside I guess, do we want to t do we want to do like a spoiler warning? I feel like it's a game that like it's a puzzle game and we may end up spoiling some of the puzzle solutions, but I think more than that there's a few like really cool set pieces that you wander into during the game that's that are probably like more effective if you don't know about them mm -hmm. um it's not like you um, could never play the game again if we spoil it in the same way that like forgotten city is very spoilable yeah and there's you know there's like of course the big the the big turn at the very end which is i would say definitely something that you don't want you want to go into blind yeah um but it's yeah, only so, like so a three spoilers. or four hour game. It's it's a pretty short game if you want to check it out. Um, I would say worth playing if you like if you not if you even if you necessarily like horror. If you can tolerate a little bit of horror, uh, and you like like surrealism and moodiness and um, and and puzzle platformers and yeah. puzzle platformers, yeah, um, yeah, and and if if you if you've got a tolerance for like extremely dire atmospheric games. Yeah. Um yeah. Yeah, that's a it's a it's a it's definitely one of those. Um yeah, so Inside is a game where you play as a little boy who is running from something. Like that's that's or to the, something. Or to well, yeah, you find that out eventually. At the beginning it seems like you're just running from something, which is yeah. uh we can we can definitely talk about that later. Um but yeah, the I really effective start. It's just the title screen, and you hit A, and the the title fades out, and the kid just runs into the frame, and you're off. Yeah. Um, very very few barriers to just like playing the game. Yeah, it's which an is incredibly nice. minimalist game in a lot of ways. Uh, to to the point yeah. where like they don't give you any tutorials. You actually have to. Uh, I actually had to go into the menu to see what the controls were to figure out how I could grab things. Yeah. Yeah. Which is um, which is weird because they don't have a normal controller scheme, at least mouse and keyboard. Yeah, I I feel like it would have been, like I I really you know I love a game that does storytelling with like no dialogue and is you know as minimalist as possible in its tutorials. But you could have just thrown up like a picture of the key that you need to use at the first time you need to use it like that would have been acceptable right like no tutorial at all is a little bit like you're you're limiting your audience to people who are comfortable going into the settings menu to check what the controls are <laughs> that's fair i guess i played it with controller and it uh, the the control scheme on on you know gamepad is pretty straightforward so what is like what is grab if you're if you're playing mouse and keyboard like to grab or to jump or whatever control? it's oh, control but it's but it's only the right control oh yeah it's right control and oh that's 
So weird. Yeah, you play the, you can play the game one-handed on keyboard because the movement is left and right arrows, up arrow to jump, not space bar, um, and control uh, right control, so, you know, move your thumb over to the control key in order to, to grab things. So it's all in that little section of the keyboard. Yeah, that's... That's not that's that is definitely weird. I yeah, it it makes a lot more sense um on 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 gamepad. It's you, you know like hold one of the the shoulders to grab things. No, it's um it's X or B or you know one of the not um, up and down. I, yeah, I'm, I have a, I have an Xbox gamepad in front of me, but it's X or B or I guess that would be square or circle on a PlayStation controller, and then A A to jump or X on PlayStation to jump. Um. And then you know, left stick to move around. So yeah. it's it's so it's a stick, lot more stick intuitive. Stick to move and two of the face buttons to do the two non-movement controls. Yeah, it's it's a lot more intuitive on a on a gamepad for sure. Yeah, I would I would have been sitting here fucking hammering WASD and being like, why can't I move? What's going on? <laughs> so yep. that makes a lot of sense. Um, yeah, not great, but hmm. yeah, and like, hmm. okay, if you know, fine. But if that's, like, the biggest problem that the game has, like, that's, it's a little bit, I think it's, you know, it was done in the name of the sort of, like, avant-gardeness and atmosphere, which, uh, you know, that's taking it a little too far for me, but I, I respect the, the choice. Yeah, but I guess, I mean, you could still play it one-handed with the left hand if you use WASD, space to jump, and, like, E to grab. Yeah, uh, that would be, be like a, norm, a much more, more normal control scheme. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. How how strange. Um, yeah, it's very strange. Anyway, um, but I guess you need to be able to um, like me move back and forth and uh, like and grab at the same. I don't know. Maybe there's like a a thing that would be tough to do at the same time. But I don't know. I guess you could do like. You could do instead of E with like the index finger, you could do like tab with the pinky or, or shift uh, or left shift, yeah. yeah, or left control even. Or left control, yeah, that would be. Let me just touch my keyboard. That would be maybe a little bit of a stretch, but a doable. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's a weird choice. I'm glad I played this on GamePad. Um, Intended yeah. to play it on on controller but like i started playing and i forgot i had forgotten to plug in my controller and then i was just too lazy to do it and i'm like this is fine that's fair yeah so. yeah but it does have tutorials in the sense of like early on there's only because there's only like three or four things you can actually do um it early on it puts you in situations where you must accomplish those things in order to move forward like you have to prove that you understand you can jump to get up places and you have to, you know, grab a, a box or whatever and pull it in order to stand on it. Yeah, and there's, you know, like grabbing onto a ledge and pulling yourself up, mantling and um, swinging from ropes. I think those are kind of the main things that you have to do. Yeah. And, and everything else is kind of, and swimming, um, and everything yeah. else is just kind of a permutation of that. So. Yeah, and so in your sort of flight through the forest, you, you get tutorialized on pretty much all of this and the forest is like it's it's a super interesting start because you're like wandering through these trees and there's clearly like very hostile looking guys with flashlights 
And your character's animations kind of communicate to you that, like, these people are dangerous. Because yeah. as you approach them, the characters, like, animates to, like, not just be standing behind a tree, but, like, actively hiding behind it and, like, pressing himself against it and, you know, peering around the corner. So it, it the, the whole, like, emotional tone is communicated very well through the visuals and the animations. Yeah, um, or there's like, a lot of this sections... This is sinister and you should be scared. Yeah, and there's a lot of sections in the beginning where, you know, you're you're kind of creeping past these scenes of, you know, people with trucks, people with flashlights, people with trucks and with flashlights, and, yeah. you know, dogs, and, and you automatically kind of crouch to sort of kind of creep past them. And that's not, you know, that's nothing that's controlled by the player. That's just an animation in the game that doesn't, you know, doesn't do anything other than convey the idea of, okay, we're going to sneak past this. Yeah. Um, and there's, uh, and you know, maybe you should try to not get into the lights because maybe the lights are dangerous. Yeah. Um, and there's, you start seeing these like big metal pods at, with like a porthole in them and like people being pulled out of them and loaded onto trucks. And it's all like very like creepy. Yeah, like people who are more or less catatonic, they're still standing and like able to walk but they don't they're not like fighting back or, or yeah. struggling in any way they're just being loaded onto trucks like cattle basically yeah. and you you kind of it kind of gives you the general impression that like maybe you escaped from one of these pods mm -hmm. or maybe like you're here to try and like rescue the people from these pods somehow or yeah you, you seem to be following the trucks that are taking these people away um in a in a rough sense and also you seem to be like very afraid of slash intimidated by the people who are taking them away so it's it's all you know it's it's ambiguous but it's not um there's there's ambiguous in the sense that like you know you you have no idea what's going on and things are very open to interpretation and then there's ambiguous in the sense of like the storytelling is very clear, but it's just not spelled out for you. Mm -hmm. um, and I feel like this is more the latter, which is uh, which is a little better. Yeah, and that's the, I think, maybe the most compelling part of playing this game mm -hmm. is that, you know, you the logical thing would be to try to get as far away as possible from all of this terrible stuff that's going on. But at every point, you're going deeper into it, and you don't know why. Yeah. Um, there's there's no indication as to, you know, why are you actually trying to, you know, get into the facility where these, like, slave people are being, being stored, being taken, you know, being created, question mark. Um, and, and my being initial thought... Being experimented I didn't, on. <laughs> yeah, being experimented on. Like, I, and I, you know, I think my initial thought, and maybe this is just, like, the background knowledge of Limbo is like, okay, I'm probably going to rescue somebody who's like you know dear to me that is in this facility and that's that's the uh that's that's why we're going here uh, yeah. it ends up not being that we'll <laughs> talk about that for sure later <laughs> i feel like that when you're like watching people be carted off into trucks um you think like oh is there like a family member who's among those people or something mm -hmm. um yeah and it's they do a they do a another thing they do really well in this game is these little um, 
animated sequences that are often foreshadowing things that come up where you'll like enter a scene and there'll be some little thing going on in the background uh, mm -hmm. where just an animation that's happening and like in some of them you literally have to wait there for the animation to finish because otherwise the people will spot you um so you have to wait for them to like finish up what they're doing and le and leave and it's all these like little bits of micro storytelling um and sometimes the the things they do or the things you see uh strongly foreshadow stuff that's going to be coming up in the near future that's going to be a, an obstacle for you yeah and other like, times it's just like weird little bits of world building like one thing that struck me um, you see it a couple times towards the end of the game, and then I, I noticed it again when I was going back through the beginning today, is, like, it, there, there's, obviously, there's the people who are kind of running the show in the forest and, and around are primarily adults, but they always seem to have kids with them that they're, like, teaching? Or mm, they're, like, showing yeah. them the ropes as to how like to do it's that? Like a field was, trip or something. Yeah, that was really interesting <laughs> to me, that, you know, the, I, the it's it's really easy to see the the like the air quotes bad guys as like you know probably some like evil corporation or evil side but it's not really the case if they've just got children running around everywhere like it's more of a societal thing i guess yeah it, um, it has a very us and them feel mm -hmm. like almost at one point it feels almost like a class struggle kind of thing yeah um because there's a section where like the the slave people are being like literally paraded in front of the their captors uh mm -hmm. and, and like forced to do certain actions uh or controlled yeah. to do certain actions and like everybody's just kind of watching them be paraded and it has a very like you know slave class master class kind of vibe to it that's very disconcerting yeah and the other thing that yeah. i noticed is a lot of the like uh, like automaton sort of people um, which we'll talk about later, but you, eventually you kind of have some control over them as the character that you're playing as. But a lot of them tend to be dressed in more like blue collar clothing. They're wearing yeah. hard hats and overalls, and the the you know the the opposing people are a lot more white collar dressed. Yeah, you know, like scientists and, and businessmen, and, and yeah, yeah. So definitely, yeah, definitely some some heavy heavy class divide elements for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, yes. so you, you get through the forest, uh, you get your first taste of, like, the really vicious obstacles that you're going to face, because there are, like, dogs that chase you that will rip you apart, there's people that will literally just shoot you with a gun <laughs> if you, like, get within their sight line. Um, so it teaches you kind of how to stealth around things and, and a little bit how to deal with dogs. You learn more about dealing with dogs later, but... Mm -hmm. The dogs, um, I think, are the worst enemy for me in the game. I know there's, like, some scarier ones later, but the dogs are so fucking fast. They are so <laughs> fucking fast. The, I, I was really impressed by how well the dog sequences were designed, um, mm -hmm. in that it, in, in every single case, you're just getting away by, like, just... The skin of your teeth. The skin of yeah. your teeth, yeah. Like, yeah. there's always almost no space, and a lot of times it's, like you jump over a gap that the dogs can't clear or you jump down into like a body of water that the dogs won't follow you down or you you know you 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 climb a rope creep, or you yeah you climb, climb a, a rope or you climb a fence or you creep through a hole and like block the hole off like yeah. there 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 is um the dogs yeah the dogs are are 
horrible and terrifying, but I was I was really impressed by the the timing um, yeah. in those sequences. It it really really sets the tone for like the tension um very early on. Yeah. So uh and yeah, so you you escape from those people and you wander through a like an old like dilapidated farm that's falling apart um mm -hmm. which has I, I i as i was watching through uh like skimming through that limbo playthrough uh that i watched earlier to prep for this uh i didn't realize that the like weird worms sticking out of you that control you is a limbo reference yeah i had i had um i was i was reading some webs like some you know website comment sections um about people's interpretations of the ending just because i was curious to see what people were saying and i heard i had seen people mentioning the the pig anus worms, worms yeah. um as a as a thing in limbo which i did not realize so yeah yeah there's there's a, a group of pigs you come across and most of them are dead but some of them are infested with these worms and the worms seem to be making them like incredibly aggressive and like constantly like running towards you and trying to to harm you um and so you have to like get you have to trick the pig into like crashing against the wall and you have to pull the worm out and then the the pig becomes docile oh just horrible that's, that's just bad. disgusting um just like pulling the worm out of the the pig's anus and just the noise and there's like a blood spray yeah um, and the, the pig is all like emaciated and discolored it's 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 gross there's a lot of stuff yeah, in this game that's would, just like icky yeah i would say for me the um the farm is where the um the growth from limbo shows the least <laughs> right like that's fair. there's there's stuff there that's like gross for no reason or like weird and violent to the point of being kind of silly and comedic which I think is one of the problems with Limbo. Specifically, I'm thinking of there's a sequence where you need to tip over a box, so you have to trick a bunch of baby chicks that follow you around into, like, a, a haymaker machine and throw them at the box. That that sequence really scared yeah. me the first time I played it. To, to be fair, though, the chicks uh, are apparently unharmed by Except this. Except one. There's one of them that dies in the process. There, oh, yeah, there is, was it, one. is it the slow one? The, yeah, I think it's the slow one. There's one little weak one that's kind of slow following you around. Um, mm -hmm. And yes, that one. But for for the like, I thought they were just gonna get pulped. Yeah, um, me too. Uh, so no, I was glad that that fine. didn't happen. But... They're fine. The little chickens are fine. <laughs> yeah, it's still... and they're they're one of the few cute because the game is it's not black and white the way that Limbo was black and white. Um, but it is very desaturated in its color palette. Mm -hmm. And there are a few places where there are some high saturation moments. And the little chickens are uh, pretty saturated. They're a pretty saturated yellow. They're kind of a yeah. little bright spot before you go into, like, the deep depth. Um, mm -hmm. Both, like, literally and emotionally. Because you wander through a, a cornfield and you come out followed by a bunch of little baby chicks. And it's so cute. Yeah. Um yeah which you know also clearly has a you know a, a gameplay purpose where it's like okay visibility you're wearing red so you're you're a visible thing and also lots of times things that you have to interact with are like bright red or bright yellow well brightish bright, bright, bright lights involved in on yeah. the way and 
Um, yeah. But it works. It works, you know, thematically as well. Whenever as... there's a secret, there's like a yellow wire that you can spot that hints you towards it. Mm -hmm. um, the I think the it's interesting. The the chicken sequence has a some like narrative foreshadowing to it as well. I'm probably reading way too into this, but it feels like there's this kind of like you know they're small and helpless. Uh, but you can, like, co-opt them for your own needs, and if you get enough of them together, you can, like, force your way forward kind of thing. Yeah, um, that feels very on make theme. That connection. On theme with the yeah, rest of absolutely. the game. Yeah, no, I don't think you're, I don't think you're reading too much into it. I think that's, that's definitely, I mean, I, I agree. Yeah. It's a good so, observation. <laughs> so you get you get through the farm and then you're kind of approaching the outside of the for better for lack of a better term the factory. Um I guess it's it's just like one giant facility. It has a few it has a number of different areas that have kind of different feels to them. <clears throat> Some of them are like ruined and clearly like l abandoned uh to the point where there's like greenery growing over them some of them are, are actively in use and guarded um i think one of the first sections you get to is like the unloading zone for the people in the trucks mm -hmm. and that's where the like parade is happening which is a cool yeah. sequence there's a lot of really cool set piece sequences mm -hmm. in this and one of them is there's a parade of these people and they're like walking forward uh, and it's like walk and stop and walk and stop and walk and stop. And then, um, like whenever there's a certain tone, like people within a certain area have to like jump or turn around. Um, and you have to like get in line with everyone else and mimic their actions as though you are also being controlled. Otherwise you will be spotted for being different than them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You kind of, you, you fall through the floor of like an attic space in one of these buildings and you end up in line and you just kind of got to go along with it um yeah this this the little boy's got moxie i would be dead immediately <laughs> yeah. um so good for him uh um yeah um so that's a big sequence and then you go you go through that whole thing and then you go past an area where there's like guards and dogs and one of the dogs sniffs you out so then you end up having to run again yeah um yeah. further through just more it's like it's like kind of a rundown like the like the industrial part of a city like the old industrial part of a city is kind of what it looks like yeah. um where it's yeah it's all You're just like, like shimmying down water pipes and mm -hmm. like swinging on chains and like going across old dilapidated like loft spaces and mm -hmm. let's see and then what comes next uh i don't i don't know if i'm going to be able to remember the order of things in this game it's all very I, yeah i think dreamlike and continuous yeah i think from there from like from the kind of parade section you get chased by dogs and then you end up in like a kind of like a like an old subway system or like a sewer type area um where you have to deal with more dogs mm -hmm. yeah and... there's a there's a horrible a puzzle where you're like on a fence and you have to keep kiting the dogs over to the other side of the fence and mm -hmm. then quickly getting a, like onto the the other side of the fence and pull a board off the area you're trying to sneak into and then quickly get on the fence again before the dogs come around and get them back to the other side and it's very tense 
Yeah, that's one of the horrifying tactics that they use with dogs a couple times is that you can't just run from them. You have to redirect them. Yeah. And in 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 sort of a way you have to like use yourself as a lure to get the dog into such a such a position where you it know you, you. You, you can buy yourself some time either by like jumping up a ledge that the dog can't jump up or or swimming in the water and then like going underneath the dog in the water um or the the fence sequence yeah yeah and that sequence lasts a long time you got to pull like three boards off there and they're all really stuck in yeah um, I, and, I the, think... and the dogs are always right on your heels as you're jumping back towards the fence. I think they could have got away with maybe just having to pull off two boards, but yeah. whatever. Yeah. <laughs> that sequence I've... felt a little long. I felt like that multiple times where you had to do... You had to, like, do the puzzle, like, one more time than I expect them to. Yeah, that's yeah. fair. <clears throat> yeah, that is true. They d they do have a pretty good... um. The puzzles in this are not generally super difficult. Like, I never got stuck on anything. I felt like I was kind of in the flow all the way through. And I appreciate they have a lot of, between the slightly more, you know, quote-unquote difficult puzzles, um, they have a lot of downtime in this game where you're just kind of, like, navigating across a space. that's mm -hmm. not hard, but it kind of gives you a little bit of a breather before the next area where you're, like, going to be really super tense. Yeah. Yeah, there were... I thought it was well-paced yeah, in that way. A, a good sort of ebb and flow. Um, so then after that, I think you're just kind of going through some, like, abandoned buildings. There's, like, an elevator puzzle where you have to dodge some lights by, um, by like, some, you know, automated, like, sentry turret-type things by yep. hiding behind some pillars, um, dodging more lights and, you know, going through trapdoors to evade them, and... You know, having to time, like, you know, you hide under a beam, and then when the light passes you, you have to run out and turn a crank and then hide under the beam again and do that several times. There's some very um, cool light puzzles in this where, like, a light will move and you have to, like, creep along and stay in the shadow mm -hmm. as it's going. Like, there's some there's some nice environmental puzzle design. Again, like, nothing that's, like, hard to figure out how to do. But stuff that's like got some real good juicy tension to it, mm -hmm. and they 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 get a lot out of the few kind of you know main themes for puzzles. There's a lot of light puzzles, um, a, lot a lot of, of run from guys puzzles. Yeah, I was gonna say a lot of being chased puzzles. <laughs> and then as well, I guess we've I guess by this point there's already been a couple um, mind control segments, but there's a couple points um, early on in the game where you see like this dangling kind of lit up dome Helmet. yeah yeah and you um you jump up into it so that your your head is stuck in there and you can kind of mind control these um these kind of like zombie dudes to do yeah. things um on other planes or to do things that like you know maybe you need more than just one person to like open this door um things like that or to you know push a cart along with you dangling yeah. from it and yeah Lots of like places and yeah, lifting and cart moving and standing on switches um, so that yeah. you can open doors, that kind of stuff. Um, so there's a few segments where you're you're mind controlling these dudes. Um, yeah. And, previously, and one thing that's worth noting, I think, is that um, there's no difference. Um, like you can tell between the the like sort of upper class people and the sort of lower class mind control people. 
the differences are all in the clothing and the um and the animations because nobody in the game has a face that it's just part of the art style that everybody has this like smooth white face so i find it really interesting that you don't get to see like a difference in sort of facial expression or like how vacant they look or anything like that it's all just communicated through body language mm -hmm. yeah and the the zombie guys and the like the mind control people just kind of like shamble along their heads are kind of lolling and some of them like their yeah. limbs will sort of twitch a little bit yeah <laughs> just the, the just lots of like twitchy twitchy limbs in this game yeah um, <laughs> um so yeah so you go through like kind of a subterranean section and then you end up like near next to it's the space feels very non-euclidean um yeah. because it seems like you're constantly just going downward through like giant bodies of water and then suddenly yeah. you're it above the water little, again it reminds me a little bit of uh the buried section of uh, aperture science in portal 2 mm -hmm. where you're like there's no way there's this much of the facility <laughs> like yeah, this is like too you're... big yeah, I, I'm already probably miles underground, and now the, the the area opens up, and I just can't even see the floor below me. Yeah, yeah. it's it's like that kind of um, impossible space, or like like the the foundation in control, just uh, yeah. just just impossibly huge spaces that are entirely enclosed in, you know, like a subterranean under the earth kind of scenario. Yeah. And it's um, hard to tell when you're underground and when you're just in a giant man-made structure, which is yeah. also very scary, or both. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there is a lot of that, because the, yeah, the, the environments uh, are, like, not super clear, because, yeah, you can be going through, like, a an underwater segment, and then go into, like, a sort of, like, research facility, and then immediately out into, like, more trees and, like, vegetation that's just kind of growing in the dark it's it's all very very bizarre and like you said dreamlike and kind it, of surreal it feels like this is one thing that i think it has over limbo is it all feels very deliberate and connected to each other right mm -hmm. like even though it feels like an unreal space it does feel like an unreal version of a designed and intentional space whereas yeah. in limbo everything just feels kind of abstract like oh you're in the woods section now, now you're in the, like, broken down city section, now you're in the factory section, now you're inside a machine, right? Like, the things don't seem to have any logical connection to each other in any way. Yeah, like, it, it just feels like levels, whereas this, it's like, okay, I've gone through this segment, and this, it kind of I've flows naturally. I've reached this area. Yeah, yeah, it flows naturally into sort of what the next area is. Um, so you go through kind of the subterranean area. A lot of times they preview upcoming areas subtly in the background before mm -hmm. you get there, which also helps it cohede better. Yes. Um, so you end up sort of, I don't know if it's like a giant cistern or whatever. Like it, it looks like an entirely man-made area that's just full of water. And you, uh, you end up by like a little control room out on a dock and a guy comes up in a submarine and you kind of, they, the two guys, there's a guy in the control room and the guy from the submarine, and they're talking, so you um, hijack the submarine, and thus begins the Water underwater section. adventure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, which... Um, is cool do... and scary, and... Yeah, it's cool and scary. It has the, the, probably the only, like, actual jump scare of the game. 
that I experienced at least like and like a Is literal it the, jump scare. The preview of the little girl. Yes. Um, <laughs> yeah. Like I I I legit like jumped and made a noise. I was like oh. Um, but it does a good job before that section of making you feel really safe. You're in this submarine. And you can, you know, move in all directions underwater. Before, you don't have you to. Could, you are able to swim before that, but not for very long. If you stay under for too long, you drown. And it's not like a super long time. Yeah. So you're um, normally used to swimming on the surface. But now you have a little submarine and it's enclosed and metal and you don't need to breathe because you're in a little submarine. Yeah. So you and, can go much deeper. And you can use it to kind of bust through. It's got like a little charge kind of charge boost that you can use to kind of bust through like big doors or through like rotten wood or through like chipped masonry yeah um so you you kind of yeah you go through a sequence where like oh i've gotten to this point but i can't go any further so then you kind of got to swim outside of the submarine for a while and figure out how to open a door that you can then get through um and then after you've opened that door and you're coming back through this crack in the wall there's just like this floating child with long hair that's just there and then it swims away and that's the jump in the, in the foreground in the foreground yeah. like right yeah right up there um yeah, yeah like you just entire... see her like her silhouette and then she swims away and she's gone and it's like oh shit oh shit what was that yeah and throughout the entire rest of the game a you are afraid of the water because that is not the last time the the little water water child shows up um but also that when you're kind of going from room to room it acts like a diorama where there's like a it like the camera pans past a section of wall so for a for a little bit there you're partially blind sometimes even totally blind and that that fucked me up because i could never be sure that they weren't going to jump scare me again yeah um, and when also i'm doing you, a room if transition if something's chasing you they can catch you in those transitions if you're not fast enough yeah and you just yeah, gotta it's, gun uh, it yeah, it's um, yet another way that they build tension is I will, making I will, you afraid of things that you weren't afraid of before. Yeah, I will counter, though, you're afraid of water for most of the rest of the game. Mm -hmm. uh, and then you're not. And we'll get to that, I guess. That's true. Yeah. Um, um, but yeah, there there's are, a... Yeah, there are some pretty lengthy water segments where you are just afraid, though. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no. The water is scary for most of the game. Yeah, so, um, yeah, you kind of... There's a somewhere in here, and I I've I don't remember the order of most of this anymore. But somewhere in there is the really awesome sequence with the um the pulsing um oh yeah the, like, that's... wind section like that is I that is a really cool set piece. I like that yeah, one a lot. That's, I think after this first so there's you finish up the submarine section and you finally like encounter the little water child um and you've got a like a spotlight on your oh, yeah. um on your submarine so it's afraid of the spotlight so you have to move forward enough and then when it starts to follow you you have to like quickly turn back and point the spotlight at it and you know sort of evade it in that way a little bit yeah and then keep going and then and turn keep around going, again keep going, and, and eventually you yeah. kind of trap it behind a door and then you get out of the submarine and then um then i think before the i think the bridge is the name of the that the pulsing section before that you have the the 20 20 man's puzzle oh okay yeah which uh i really liked and i kind of i kind of wish they had done more stuff like this they do a little bit of it but nothing to this this level Agree, yeah. um there's a button you... and it needs the weight of 20 bodies standing on it at once in order to be pushed down 
Mm -hmm. And you have this sort of big open space. Not entirely open, but you've got this big space. There's an elevator in the middle. And an elevator and a lot of levels. And you basically have to figure out how to round up 20 zombie mans to to stand on that switch yep. um which... one of them is just a corpse one of them you one have of them to get is all the way up there and like push a corpse off the edge and get the corpse onto the button as well so you have the correct weight yeah but i think yeah. this is the first time where you you really have the experience of having like a bunch of guys um, and you're not and you're not uh attached to the little mind control helmet anymore you actually break yeah. it and just wander around and the guys just follow you mm-hmm. um and so you do, you're not stuck to a point while you're mind controlling them, which is different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so you get some some new mechanics in in that, you know, now you're not remotely controlling them, but they're just kind of following you, which you can use to maneuver them around in specific ways. And you can use them to, like, lift you up and yep. even, like, Off throw you across yeah. gaps, which was pretty cool. But eventually going through several levels of this this big kind of, I don't know, sort of like a warehouse space. You round up the twenty guys, and as you're rounding up the twenty guys, the there's this the big door that's like pulsing, like it's being battered yeah, by like a battering ram. Well, the next section, yeah, there's like almost like a a really loud bass, like occasionally mm-hmm. pulsing in a regular time from somewhere nearby, and you'd like it doesn't do anything in this part. You just hear it, and occasionally it'll like make dust fall down from the ceiling or something yeah, like that. Yeah, and it'll it'll rattle the door. Um, so yeah, and you're like, what is that? Yeah, what is that? And and you soon find out that it's something that can kill you. Big surprise. Yeah. Um, yeah, you open the big door. Um, and it's it, think... this sequence is so cool and weird. There's something far in the background that is just giving off these huge, enormous pulses of like light and sound and wind. And if you are not, uh taking shelter when the pulse happens the wind will just blow you like off whatever you're on and kill you real real quick yeah it it, it, it basically like shreds you yeah it like shreds you so it's got to be some kind of like massive shock wave yeah um where it's you know it's not it's not just sound but it's like the vibration of the air is so powerful that it just yeah. like rips you apart um and this is i guess this is something we haven't necessarily touched on um the deaths in this game are very always yeah they're not always super gruesome but the the way that the the camera just lingers on you even after you're dead for quite some time even if you just like fall from too great a height and ragdoll uh or if you drown like the camera just kind of lingers on you there for a while before starting you back at a checkpoint they're not as like needlessly almost comically i mean Pick the up the dogs. Uh, yeah, I, with a few exceptions. Um, yeah, there's definitely the dog, a few. And the, the dogs and this one, for sure, are definitely exceptions. For the most part, they're not as, like, comically gruesome as Limbo ones, but they're still pretty bad. <laughs> like, they're still needlessly yeah. gruesome, for sure. Yeah. It's like, the I think the main ones that are really, really gruesome, it's the dogs and this one. There's, like, a an underwater turbine blade later that uh yeah yeah that becomes a a problem and that that one is i would say like comically gruesome um (laughs) and let's see what's what's the other good like if if you um if you get caught by one of the water kids they basically just drag you down until you're yeah that one's not gruesome but it is very scary yeah it's yeah it's not gruesome but it is definitely scary like struggling while you're being pulled under is yeah uh, a, a big 
visceral fear. Um, so, yeah, I think, I think, like I said, I think this section is called The Bridge, and it's basically just get across it and don't get Yeah, figure, figure out how to always have a place to hide when the pulse happens. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a variety of ways you do that. There's some stuff that's, like, moving and you have to move with it, and then there's some stuff where you have to, like, reposition something repeatedly, and... Um, it's like the puzzles on in this part are like you know not that interesting, but the uh, the actual like just being in that space and seeing the pulse rattle everything and like peel bits of metal off of the parts and fling them into the distance like that was a really cool atmosphere. Yeah, I think this is probably the coolest like set piece. That that I I I, I thought it was probably the coolest set piece ah, in the game. I, there's a water. There's like a, a sort of water set piece later that might be that might beat it for me, but yeah. Okay. Yeah, we can we can talk about yeah. But yeah, this was just like such a big reveal that was foreshadowed and it's like extremely terrifying and yeah. tense and yeah, you just like you just you just gotta keep moving right. That's all it is. You just gotta yep. keep moving right and down, basically, for the whole yeah. game. Sometimes um, up, occasionally up. Sometimes up, but mostly down. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I don't. I think is it. It's another water section. Then it's another this, water right? section. Um, and there's a there's a second like girl that chases you, but she chases. She's the one that you have to like. Um, instead of using the light on your sub because you have to be facing forward, you have to like get her attention by like going up above the water, sneaking back. Uh, getting in the water until she like hears you splashing and comes over to you and then quickly climb out and then go above the water back to where you were so it takes her longer to to get to you it's yeah it's... again again like the dogs like the idea yeah. of using yourself as bait to distract something that will definitely kill you is just like, yep. awful um but yeah you don't have a you don't have a submarine so you are definitely not safe um and yeah. again the the there's much like the dogs, the, the chase sequences are really tightly designed so that you're always just getting away by Barely, like a, yeah. a hair's breadth. Yeah. Yeah. And some um, of the ones you have to like get through a waterway and then like close a door on the other side or something before she reaches you. And it's mm-hmm. like, is it going to yeah. close in time? <laughs> Once yeah, I got or caught you have in to... the door and didn't make it all the way through and I got squished. Oh no! Yeah, there. Yeah, there's other times where you have to activate a door before you go through it. So not only are you running from the the water child, but you're also racing against the door closing on you. Yeah. Um, yeah. And yeah, you go through several rooms, and eventually you start to you know climb up something, and it falls, it breaks apart under your weight, and you fall back into the water. And that happened um, before or after the um the floating water sequence. I think it's before, because I think you can yeah, already. It's before. Yeah, you're right, because you're not worried about drowning at that point. So yeah, yeah, yeah. you're right. So yeah, what yeah. happens, Kyla? Tell us about there's, it. There's there's a sequence where she, uh, where you fall into the water and you're you're oh there's like there's a thing you're supposed to climb and you you're like oh this is clearly the way I go next and you jump onto it and it breaks and it drops you into the water and the girl is right there and you cannot get away from her. Mm-hmm. This is a supposed to lose sequence and she drags you down and down and down and down and somewhere along the way. 
she plugs you into something. There's one of those machines that glows in the same way that the mind control machines do. Mm-hmm. And she like plugs you into it and you keep falling and cle- keep falling and keep falling. And then you come to rest on the very bottom and like a bunch of fish come up to your body. But you are not dead. You are cured of your fear of water because you can no longer drown. Yeah. And there's a great little animation where you like, you wake up and all the ball. Yeah, they did kill you, but, like, they killed they... you by dragging you uh, under and away into the water. Which, yeah, they may not have intentionally killed you yeah. in those in those sequences. Or they may not have understood really they what were they were doing. You. Yeah, um, I think, th- and there's, 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 like, a parallel to be drawn later that we can in talk the, about. Yeah, in the, in the sequences where the little girls chase you, if they catch you, they, like, crack the glass in the submarine and like force their way inside and pull yeah. you manually out of it like they are strong yeah um definitely yeah definitely scary um and if if you're not in a submarine they just like bear hug you and drag you down basically yeah. um which is what so... this one does to you as well it's just that she has further down to take you and she takes you to this machine mm-hmm. so which fixes you kind of i guess um so yeah so now we're in the upside down water sequence you can kind of go through some like office buildings and this is one Um, of this is probably my like definitely one of my favorite set pieces as well yeah is the under this uh, is the floating water where there's like Mm -hmm. there's water on the ceiling and if you can get up into it you can swim to it and there are people like suspended from ropes in the water that's like but it's like tethered to the ground and it's like very surreal and very cool and creepy yeah yeah this part is definitely definitely another cool one um and you're kind of going through like office building science lab sequence like areas where you can see that there's like sort of experiments going on definitely um more more of those later as well but this is kind of the first place where you really get an inkling of like the science side of it and the the research side of it um like obviously it's not the the only one because even in like the parade sequence there are people with clipboards there like taking notes who seem to be analyzing something but yeah that's a little bit more feels more like a a factory inspector than this which feels like people actively experimenting on things yeah like that's production and this is r&d i guess yeah um so yeah so i guess I mean, there's there's a number of puzzles in this area, but... Yeah, at some point, I don't know if it's at this point or before, you start to see the, like, zombie people that are kind of, like, half-formed and misshapen. Like, they're mm-hmm. not complete, or they're they're just, like, 
part of them are just like big bubbly masses or they're missing limbs or there's just isolated limbs on the ground that kind of twitch at you. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's one of the puzzles is you have to raise the water level in the room closer toward it's it's uh, the water is already on the ceiling. You have to raise the water level so that it goes closer to the ceiling so that all of these suspended malformed creatures drop out of the water and then they become you know another another gang of zombie guys that kind of help you out yeah um and then there's you know there's like a a box puzzle where you have to move the water level to a certain point that opens a door but then you have to be able to like put a box in the water that that you can maneuver so that you can like then jump back up into the water yeah, get this to the is a, door. There's a lot of maneuvering in and in these this weird upside down water and and moving boxes around and changing the water level and mm-hmm. lots of interesting stuff they do with the mechanic that I appreciate. Yeah. Um but otherwise, you know, beyond I think beyond like that first reveal of like seeing it, it's like, okay, puzzles now. Yeah. Now we do puzzles. Now we do puzzles. Now we um... do puzzles. <laughs> I think the one of the reasons I like it is because the first set piece reveal of it is super, super cool. And the puzzles in this section are much more interesting than the like yeah. hide hide from the pulse puzzles. Yeah, that's that's fair. That's you also fair. they also introduced um, a mechanic. Uh, actually, I think before this, but like it's used a lot in here of little like rocket boxes. <laughs> Where you oh, you yeah, get yeah. onto them, you pull a cord, and then it takes a little while for it to warm up, but then they'll like fly up into the air a little bit, usually along a a, a track, but occasionally you like break them off their tracks, um, and so you have to do a lot of like flying boxes around and managing their weight load type puzzles. Yeah, I forgot about the 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 rocket boxes because they. We're so annoying a lot of times because it's like, oh, this the the last rocket box I encountered behaved like this, so this one will do the same. No, it doesn't. And now you've got two rocket boxes that you have to like activate in the, in a correct timing sequence so that you can have one to jump on when the other one. Like it's uh, yeah. th- those are a little more fiddly, but yeah, not overused. So they don't necessarily outstay their welcome when they show up. But um, yeah, just a, an easy way to kind of get you vertical that they probably just had to come up with by necessity um it it definitely feels like this is a gameplay element like there's no there's no practical reason for this to exist Mm -hmm. but that's fine that's that's something i can i can let that slide um so after you you have like this kind of horde of misshapen kind of water bloated zombie men and you go through another office building there's like an elevator puzzle and then I think from there you just you're in the facility, right? Is there anything else that I'm missing? There's a lot of people in the background that you sort of are like that are doing things and I think this is where you start to see people are like something is happening and people are running off in a direction. And you're mm-hmm. like, where's everybody going? And they're all running off, of course, to the right, the same direction that you're going. So yep. you know, eventually you'll get there. Um yeah. So you yeah, you eventually end up in a a pretty well maintained like this is kind of the first place that doesn't look like it's in disrepair. some state of disrepair like yeah. all of the the lights are on you know it looks like a like a clearly it's a, like it's a, an office building there's like yeah. a break room that people are using there's yeah, active like there's active like glass boxes where people are experimenting and there's like big blood stains in them 
yeah big blood stains and like bloody bloody creatures and um and yeah you you eventually find where all the people are running to and it's this big like glass reinforced glass dome that they're all kind of pressed up against the glass looking inside of the glass trying to see what's going on there. you can't see what's going on there yep. um but you have to you You're know just a little boy you can't see what's in there and this is kind of the first time that you see people who are not mind controlled that are not like hostile towards you yeah um, like some of them uh, see you and they're like huh who is that mm -hmm. um so you yeah i mean eventually you just kind of find you your way you have to work your way up and around um, and under the this dome and into it yep you work your way into the dome and there's like a water turbine sort of thing oh i guess i didn't talk about there's another water turbine puzzle um where there's like these big this is just an aside there's like these big moving turbines under the water that are pushing the water through like a like a shutter door um and if you die to the the water turbines you just like are like cut into big chunks and like your intestines are trailing out it's yeah. that's the one that's like so gruesome it's almost comical yeah but anyway. it's like you didn't you didn't need this this was unnecessary no. and when you're when you're in that tube like there's bars on the ceiling that you hold on to to avoid getting pulled in but there's like other human body detritus being sucked through that's yeah that looks similar it's um anyway yeah. I, I wanted to point out the other the other really gruesome death yeah um, <laughs> yeah, because in, in this one you have to use some of the same principles where there's like a big turbine and you have to stop it so you can do certain things nearby it, but then you have to start it again so that you can travel faster in the water, and um, it's, it's an interesting puzzle. Yeah, and eventually you get sucked up into the big glass dome, and the force of the water, like, pulls all your clothes off, so yeah. you basically are like a proto version of one of the little water kids. That's the yeah. parallel I was going to draw, is that you're yeah. kind of like a an... an a non-grown-out hair version of that. Yeah. And inside of the dome is this just grotesque mass of flesh and limbs um, all just kind of sticking out like hands and feet. Bits of head, yeah. Little, yeah, just like body, like recognizable body parts kind of emerging from or being sucked into. Um, just, just giant flesh ball. Just a big mass of flesh and it's connected to like four of those blinking yellow light like the like the helmets yeah. or like the thing that was connected to you that let you breathe underwater um, yeah, like big big uh like core metal cords just like mm -hmm. uh snapped onto it and you start to free it you start to pull the cords off of it uh and then you get too close to pull in order to pull the cords off and it just absorbs you it absorbs you, and also you have now control over the entire flesh mass. Yes, um, you become you become one with the ball of flesh. Thus, thus begins what I like to call the the Benny Hill sequence of the game. <laughs> 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 yeah. So yeah, for the rest of the game, you're just controlling this giant flesh thing. You um you break through the glass of the tank, and you kill a bunch of people and you're just escaping from the now now you're actually escaping from the facility 
Yeah, um, and you're so powerful. Like you're super strong. Powerful. People run from you where they used to try and kill you before. Like you can break through fucking walls. You've been this tiny, helpless child up until this point, and now you are in control and you feel I don't know about you guys, but like I felt like a monster. I'm like, I am yes. I am fucking this place up. And I do yeah. not feel bad. Yeah. I I would have felt like a monster if it wasn't so goofy. It's yeah, it's it's also very super, goofy. It's super goofy. And there's a lot of like a lot of elements of sort of self-sacrifice in this part where like you fall from a great height and you lose some limbs and the limbs are just kind of flopping around. Yep. Um, it's the so one much... dead it's the one dead chicken from the beginning, right? Yeah. Like you got to you got to lose a little bit for the the benefit of moving forward. Yeah, and that was so prevalent to me where there's a part where you have to stick a box in the furnace and then put the burning box into like a chute to open a door. Um, and I didn't immediately see the door that was to be opened on the far right side. So I went back to the left and I opened up the furnace and I was like, oh, I probably have to go into the furnace and out the other side and like incinerate large chunks of my body. And that ended up not being the case, but I spent a I good- I thought for a second I was like, and, and I, because I'd already seen this once before, I kind of knew it wasn't a thing. But for just a second, I thought I was like, oh, are we going to burn ourselves alive because we're like too much of a monstrosity to live? And it's like horrible to exist as this, but no, oh, you yeah. don't. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was just gonna be like, we gotta, we gotta take our lumps and go through the fire. Yeah. and come out whatever comes out on the other side is what comes out on the other side but that's not yeah. the case though i did spend about 10 seconds trying to wedge myself into the furnace yeah. um before i realized that that's not what you needed to do. <laughs> that's not the puzzle solution <laughs> um yeah it's one of the hardest puzzles in the game actually because you have to get a box on fire but there's a sprinkler system so you have to very carefully toss the box over the sprinklers and catch it on the other side before it hits the puddles on the ground yeah, it's it's pretty forgiving, um, and maybe maybe I had an easier time of it because I was playing on a controller. It's pretty forgiving in terms of like you don't really have to aim the box; you just kind of throw it, and it naturally arcs in in such a way that it's easy to run under the sprinkler and catch it on the other side. Um, I had a, again, I had a tough time with it. I had yeah. to try it like at least half a dozen times, maybe more. That yeah, that might be like a mouse and keyboard controller thing then, because yeah. yeah, on on controller it was it was not that difficult. Um, yeah, it, it seemed like it was going to be difficult though, for sure. Yeah, um, so you basically get a burning box and you throw it into the ventilation system, and a lot of shit explodes. Yep, and the door wow. opens. So but there's some cool stuff. I I think maybe it starts like right after that sequence where it some of the people in the facility are helping you. Mm -hmm. They're, like, opening doors for you that you can't open because you're just a giant flesh blob. And there's a part near the end where, like, you need to use one of the little rocket boxes, but you, you're you not coordinated enough to pull a, a little string on the box, so you have to toss it to some of the scientists yeah. who will pull it for you. Yeah, that part in particular, because you have to... There's a switch on the ceiling that controls a door the door is only open while the switch is is pressed so you have to push the rocket box like you have to throw it up at the switch and um that you know the the upward pressure causes the door to stay open long enough for you to get through but there's a just a cute little animation you throw the box up to like a, a couple of guys who are on a scaffold one of them 
pulls the cord, tosses it back to you. But when you throw it up and it actuates the switch, he's doing like a little like, go on, there you go, like like gesturing oh, you, you forward it. through the door. Yeah, and, you know, part of it is like clearly they're terrified of you and want you to leave, but also like they're not trying to destroy you. They're not trying to, and they do capture you again. There is a part where like they they put up rocket box in for in front of you to or some some box or something mm -hmm. um it, to trick you into an area where it drops you into a a water tank yeah um, which i so guess like some of the people are assholes and are trying to contain you but some of them want you to escape and i'm like thanks little guys you're all right well i don't know that those guys even want you to escape i think they're just kind of trying to usher you to the point where they can capture you but it it is a weird feeling after being pursued and like people trying to destroy you for so much of the game that like now there are npcs that are actively helping you that are not under your control yeah um, was a, a weird feeling um so yeah you go through a couple sequences and then and then you get think, dropped into the pit yeah it's i think along the way the narrative kind of it becomes more and more clear that like these zombie people like they're maybe not just people that are being mind controlled. They're maybe some kind of artificial being that is being grown in this lab for the purpose of manual labor. Yeah. Like um, it's not that they're like out there kidnapping people. Like this is a project where they are like growing <laughs> these beings. And I like to believe that some of these scientists are like, Oh shit, it gained sentience. We can't like, we can't keep it locked up if it's like a, an actual being with thoughts and feelings and that's why they're helping you but yeah. it's hard to it's hard to say yeah and that's a that's a i hadn't like thought that necessarily i think maybe i feel like maybe they are capturing people on the surface but down here they're trying to do away with having to capture people because like why would they be growing that people on the surface i think they're, but they're putting... growing them but putting clothes on them is the, is the thing that like sticks in 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 that theory for me. Well, but... I think that's for the showroom, right? That's where they're advertising what these things can do in the parade. So they want them to be like, you know, uh, presentation worthy. I think they're doing some part of the growth process is happening out in those tanks in the forest that you know for some reason have to be out separate in the forest, and that's so they're true. gathering like their crop basically and bringing them to the showroom to show off to people like look here's a finished like human automata that will do you know that will just follow these mind control instructions i want to believe that but they're also clothed when they're loaded into the trucks which is yeah. like i still can't i still can't get over that it's the, the clothing the clothes maybe, maybe they're clothed before they're taken out into the pods in the forest because the pods in the forest are some kind of finishing process Maybe, maybe, know. yeah, maybe the pods put the clothes on them. Anyway, I like this theory, <laughs> and I want to believe it. Um, so, yeah, I, I'll, I'm, I'm not gonna think too hard. I mean, about the it. whole thing still has <laughs> incredibly sinister vibes. Like, yeah, there's no absolutely. getting around that. But yeah, um, yeah, I mean, basically, for the rest of the game, you just kind of smash your way through the facility, even after you've been captured. You, you know, you rip some panels off the wall, you rip some grating off of this, this water tank that they've trapped you in. And you just keep on smashing your way, smashing your way through, um, and eventually you. And I think the guy, up... the guy helping you with the rocket box is like the very last thing I think, and then you're you're out. 
yeah, I know. I I, th- I can think of like maybe three places where you're where you're being helped, or two maybe. Because yeah, there's yeah. that guy. There's also a guy who opens a door. Yep. Uh, there's a, then, there's a couple places, but yeah. Yeah, and there's a guy who like tosses something down to you or something like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or like two um, people who open doors or something something like that. Yeah. Um. But yeah, eventually you crash your way through a through a wall and then you roll down a hill to the seaside. You're out. And and you collapse in exhaustion. You're not dead still moving but you're just like spent on the seashore and that's the end of the game it does like a really really long yeah i was about <laughs> to mention how long that fade out this <laughs> really really long drawn out very slow zoom out yep and i have to to the point where you're like is there is there something i'm supposed to be doing here is yeah. there am i is it okay like what's going I on i had to put something on my monitor just to see if it actually faded out <laughs> was was changing yeah i could see that it's also possible like it doesn't actually start the fade out like it keeps resetting the fade out every time you do an input so if you're like not sure and you keep trying a button to see if something will happen it just extends the sequence i'm not sure if that's the case but i suspect it might be i don't think it is because i was pushing buttons for a long long time uh and and it seemed like it was still zooming out so i think it's just really really slow yeah um but yeah that's the end of the game there is another ending which we'll talk about yeah probably. well we can talk about that now actually like there's a there's a series of hidden secrets throughout the game uh these little orbs covered in light that you can like unplug and destroy and there's 13 of them in the game yes uh, i found three and a half without looking things up i think maybe four and a half i found some of them are some of them especially early on are pretty easy to find but they get more and more obscure as you go throughout. Yeah, there's um yeah, I want to say I found maybe like a little over half of them. Mm-hmm. Um but that's I just found, uh, that's just three how I by accident cuz I <laughs> yeah. didn't I didn't try to look for them. Yeah, yeah. I wasn't, uh, or I like, wasn't like I I, I noticed they were to... there. Yeah, yeah. I was trying to, like, go places that I didn't think were the way forward just to see if there was something, but I wasn't, like, being, like, super combing through, like, really, um, you know, really active. But, like, some of the first few ones, it's pretty easy to just stumble into, and especially because they mark them with these bright yellow cords, and the first few bright yellow cords are in places where you're likely to see them. Um, Yeah, they get a little harder to see, but I... Once I picked up on that, I was I was pretty pretty keen on keeping an eye out for the yellow cords, and I found, like I said, I found probably a little over half of them. Nice. Um, it's like once you see them, you know that there's something there, so you just got it. It's just a matter of figuring out how to get to it. Yeah, um, some of the some of the later ones, the earlier ones, you just have to see the cord and follow it, and get you get to the place. Some of the later ones, you can like get to the place, but it's unclear how you're supposed to actually get to the device from there. There's some stuff mm-hmm. where it's like, oh, you have to go to a different part and like rearrange some machinery, or you have to like, you know, there's one in a puzzle with a bunch of guys where it's like, oh, you have to split the group of guys so you can have them lift you up in two different spots. And mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, and there's some where it's like you see the yellow cord, but there's no way to get there, so you have to basically move forward and then backtrack around in like a big circle yeah um so yeah it, it definitely gets yeah like the one right after the drownings the not drowning sequence yeah that uh, one um or there's the one with the the big gear puzzle that is 
like there's a kind of a hidden entrance to an underwater area and you see the thing and you can't get to it so you have to move a gear up top which is part of how you progress but if you do it in such a way that you can go back down and reach it it's yeah, yeah. they they get a lot more involved um yeah all and of that... so there's a there's a secret spot in the facility that you can climb up to towards the end of the game right before the big blob sequence um and it's got a billboard in front of it that's got lights that light up for each of the little things you've destroyed. So you can kind of track how many of them you've found. <laughs> um, and if you go in there, you I, I know you break control, but I forget exactly how it ends. Yeah, so the way so first of all, you have to deactivate the big orb, which means you have to deactivate all the other orbs. Um, in the second orb you find, it's like under a big hatch in the cornfield that you run through. And um, there's a, 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 a switch that isn't activated, like a, it moves left and right and up, like a three position switch um, that is not activated until you deactivate all the other orbs, including the big one. And th this part I definitely looked up. Um, there, <laughs> once you deactivate all the other orbs, you, um, you, you go, go back, back to, to that switch and every direction plays a different tone. And there is one other orb, I want to say it's like one of the middle ones, kind of, that if you go to that orb, it's playing a sequence of tones that are the same as the tones that are played by the switch. Um, and you have to memorize or just look up the sequence of, of, um, of switch, switch movements that, that match the tones. Um, and if you, you know, recreate that on the console, then you, it opens the door. Um, and it leads to like this big kind of narrow tunnel under the ground. And you get all the way to like this kind of control room where there is uh, a series of monitors and there's a mind control helmet with a lot of wires leading out of it. And there's a big interactable like cord, big metal cord lit up um, like like the big cables that you pulled out of the flesh blob. And that's just like stuck into the wall and you pull it out. And then the like your player character just kind of deactivates, like in the same way that the the zombie mans deactivate when you take off the helmet in the earlier sequences. Um, so the um, the implication is that all this machinery is what was allowing you, the player, to control this character. Yeah. And now you've deactivated and and you can't anymore. Yep. I and couldn't remember if he if oh. he runs off on his own or if he just like becomes inanimate. Yeah. That was no, the he part just, I couldn't remember. Yeah, he just kind of. Like, like I said, in in the similar way to how the other zombie mans kind of like they just kind of kneel down on the ground. You do the same thing, and then it fades to black, yeah. and it resets all of your progress in the game, so you can do a complete fresh start. Mm, nice. So, which makes sense because it is like that's the last bit of content you're that gonna is get. The, in that, that is the hundred percenting it. Yeah. Actually, uh. even. Even that isn't hundred percenting it because you won't the like trophies are only tied or trophies or achievements or whatever are only tied to um the orbs. So you don't you, you can like air quotes hundred percent the game. Yeah, um, without and doing not that. Get that ending. But, but yeah, in order to get that ending you have to have beaten the game normally at least once because you you have to go back to get to the switch, so Yeah. Yeah. And that's the game. Although I guess you could load once you've been to a space, you can load an earlier sequence. So maybe you wouldn't have to beat the game normally, but it's very likely you've already beaten the game normally once. 
yeah. before you uh before you do this. So Yeah. Yeah. It's very cool. Um and I think so I've been I've been kind of racking my brain to to like for why I like this one and not Limbo because they are in a lot of ways very similar, right? It's this little you're a little boy, the world is out to get you. You can die in a series of very gruesome ways. But I think it's a combination of a lot of little details that elevate this one in a way that they just didn't for Limbo. Um, I think the the art style being like less con cartoony and more just like uh, ominous, I guess. Like not mm -hmm. that black and white isn't ominous, but it feels kind of Tim Burtony, where it's like stylized to the point of being this, where it starts to be less scary again, right? Yeah. Uh, in Limbo. Um, and, and also the world design is much more deliberate, right? Like in Limbo, it's just, this is a world that is designed to be as hostile to you as possible, mm -hmm. right? Like it's just designed to have a bunch of things in it that will kill you. Whereas this space feels like it is just designed to be this unfeeling monolith that just happens to have a bunch of things in it that will kill you. Yeah. It's, it's the difference between a dream world that is clearly fake and like clearly a dream and a dream world that is maybe it feels not feels real yeah 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 and I agree. yeah it's 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 all feels much more intentional and cohesive right like it's all designed to be a single space that has a an underlying narrative in the background that like yeah is maybe a little difficult to parse but you don't have to have a bunch of you know, like, oh, what is this? Who is this girl that you keep seeing? And maybe all the things that are trying to kill you in this world represent all the fears that you used to have in life. And now you're like trying to decide it's called limbo. So it must be you're stuck in purgatory and trying to, you know, decide whether you'll go to heaven or hell, even though that really has no, like, there's nothing that really hints that in the environment or story in any way, other than the name of the game. Yeah, I, I think a, another big thing is that all of the interpretations, because like I said, I was reading I was reading comment sections on this one just to kind of see, like, w what did people make of the ending and, um, yeah. you know, what were people's thoughts on it? And a lot of a lot of different theories. Um, and I think the, the real strength is that all of the aspects that are kind of up for interpretation are a lot more subtextual. Nothing they're more is supported, really... right? They're more yeah. supported by things that are actually in the game that you can point to. Yeah, they're 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 both more supported and but also I guess not not as blatant. Yeah. Um, you know, it's it's like it's like you're kind of trying to puzzle out a meaning rather than saying this is what the game is about. Yeah, because it could <laughs> be literally <laughs> anything because like there's it's just a bunch of disconnected things. Yeah, like I saw hey, someone time for hot take. Yeah, okay. tell me your I don't I don't believe this world is deliberate. Like this okay. to me it's just it felt just as limbo with random like set pieces. Interesting. And I don't I didn't ne never think they were connected. Even also, though it's all it's all clearly one facility. Yeah, but like one facility it doesn't mean much to me. Because right. they're very different parts of one facility. That's fair. And I think, I think you can make the case for, like, 
someone had a bunch of really cool set piece ideas and they came <laughs> up with everything else post facto to kind of string it together. Yeah, that's fine. I can I can believe that. And here's why I okay. Inside is a better game than Limbo. I can agree with that. But Inside is not much better than Limbo, in my opinion. And Inside is very, very similar to Limbo. Yeah, I, I think it is. And so that's, that's the thing. That's why I'm having such a problem with this, because I agree that it is actually very similar to Limbo. And I think the thing that makes it better is a, an aggregation of many small details more than one big thing. Because, <clears throat> like, yeah, it's more cohesive and on a single theme, but not by a ton. It Like, all the sections of the game are very disparate, and, you know, like, the connection is there, but it's loose. Um, the art style is more effective, but also the Limbo art style is interesting, and the character being in silhouette and the way they play with light and dark is very interesting in that game as well. And, like, the animations are, like, less cartoony and more, like, sort of visceral and creepy but like that's a stylization thing um and in some ways i think like one of the little details it comes down to is just like things are foreshadowed in interesting ways right like there's a there's a continuous anticipation leading you towards what's coming in a way that like feels less random i don't know there's i think it it is an aggregation of details that make it better and not there is one specific thing yeah i think I think there's also something to be said for the idea that um, a, a game that is, like, as thematically just, like, bleak and crushing automatically feels a lot more mature than Limbo, which is really easy to look at as, like, edgy tryhard. Like you said, Tim Burton. Yeah. Like, I yeah, automatically like, see something bleak, that... Like, it's bleak, because there's a, a harsh world that's trying to kill this little kid. But it's, like, bleak for no reason and in ways that have no relationship to the real world. Whereas, like, this is bleak in a way that, like, gets at certain, like, real-world fears in a... Like, right? There's that whole, like, mm -hmm. class struggle thing that underlies the mind control. There's a very real feeling of, like, hostility where you're... Like, the people chasing you are... It's, they're not there to try and kill you. They're there because this is their job to, like, hunt down the ones that got away, right? Like, it's, I don't know. In some ways, the fact that it's not everything is there for you and for the purpose of destroying you makes it feel worse and scarier. Yeah. But in a, in, a, the... in, a, in a weirdly mature kind of way, I don't know. Yeah, there's also the very real fear of, like, being replaced by artificial pod life forms and becoming obsolete. Um, yeah. That's a real, that's a real ass one. Uh, I don't know how much you've been following the AI art discourse. Uh, yeah. Boy, howdy, is that dire, and I'm trying not to think about it, but... <laughs> it's, it's, I, I don't worry about it. Like, I have been following it, but I feel very strongly that AI is a tool that artists will learn to use, just like every other tool that artists have learned to use and not a replacement for artists. I want to I want to think that this is not the platform for that, but I I I I wish I could agree with that and I do, I don't wholeheartedly. So okay. um, Yeah, we'll that's we fair. can get into that on our own time. Yeah, but, absolutely. Uh, anyway. Um but yeah, so I mean that I guess that in itself is one thing you can say for uh 
inside over Limbo is that it has themes. Like, it's hard to argue that Limbo, like, I mean, I guess you could, you know, you can, if you dig hard enough, you can find themes in Limbo, but they don't, it doesn't feel like it does. Whereas uh, Inside definitely feels like it has something it is trying to communicate. Uh, and maybe that's just tone. Maybe I'm just a sucker for tone like this. But it, it does feel more like a game that is communicating something. I don't know. I still think it's just limbo with a budget. <laughs> I mean, maybe, you know, maybe that's all it is, too. But I mean, uh, to be fair, that budget is good. Yeah, it's doing effective things. They're making it work. They have improved upon their previous entry using it, for sure. Um, and it's cool to see the same kind of game, like, you know, this sort of violent puzzle platformer, horror puzzle platformer thing, done in a in a better, more mature, more interesting way, right? Like, it's cool to see if a, if you give a studio a chance to do the, a similar thing but better that they do that <laughs> right like that's that's neat yeah um i also no, want to talk no about yearly assassin's creeds for us here <laughs> yeah yeah it's uh it's like hey you know we we we're good at this thing but like let's try let's try it this way instead um is neat um i do want to talk about the one uh bug that i got because yes. it was kind of hilarious and sort of also a fascinating insight into how the game is, is coded uh, and how much it uses physics for things. Um, <clears throat> so there's a sequence towards the end. It's right after you encounter um, the spot where you could go to orb the big orb, 14, um, and disable it. So, like, right before the flesh sequence. Um, and it's not particularly a memorable sequence in any way. It's one of those, like, sh like between set pieces where it's kind of downtime. Um, basically, you, you're like, you climb down a ladder, uh, and then you jump onto this little crane thing that's like a... It's like a little control box attached to the end of a crane arm, and you have to use it to um, get yourself further down so you can get out of it and on top of it to jump to another ladder, and then you climb all the way down to underneath the sphere and you like walk along a beam and into the next area, right? Like there's, there's no, no puzzles in it. It's really, it's just traversal. Um, when I got to this section, for whatever reason, maybe because I went up into the secret area first, maybe I would got through something too quickly, something bugged. The game did not load the arm, the crane arm. It loaded the little control box that's supposed to go at the end of the crane arm, but it was floating in space. And I saw it and I went, huh, it's a little weird in that this late in the game they're like uh, introducing an entirely new technology that these people developed, that they have these little floating flying cars. But I guess they have these little floating flying cars. Uh, so I jumped out onto it, and I got into it, and I started moving. And it turns out the only thing that controls the position of where that car can go is the crane arm attached to it. Interesting. Without, without the crane arm, that box is completely free-floating and can fly anywhere on the screen. Oh. <laughs> so I just thought, like, oh, it's a little flying car. I guess I 
I'll, I'll prob I'm probably supposed to go up with it, but I'll go down first to see what's down there. And when you hit a certain uh, section of the bottom of the screen, like where the character is supposed to be walking again, it despawns. <laughs> There's like a death plane for the like equipment or physics objects at, at a certain point down there, uh, like the, far enough down. So I went down, I went past like the spot where I was supposed to be able to run freely, and the thing just despawned, but it... I was still floating there in midair because the game still processed me as sitting in that control box. So I was just stuck sitting floating in midair. And I'm like, this feels like a bug. This feels like this was not supposed to happen. How did I manage to despawn the little flying car? Like, did I... I somehow accidentally despawned my flying car. I guess I'll just have to reload. Luckily, there's a reload point, like, right there um, because it's right before the secret, right? Um... Mm -hmm. And so I reloaded it, and I realized, oh, it, that car was not supposed to be flying at all. That is a part of a crane. Damn, um, I almost wish you had gone up to see. It's probably it's probably the same thing. Yeah, it would probably, probably despawn somewhere at another at another point. But I, it, maybe you could just really hard sequence break. Yeah, fly um, out of the facility. Oh, that is wild. That's so funny. I am. I am so glad that you had that experience that you could share with us. Yeah, it was fascinating. And, like, I don't know what caused it to happen, but uh, something loaded weird. Yeah, that is wild. And really, yeah, and like you said, that's a cool insight into just how that whole structure works. I guess, yeah, I, was, I mean, I, I guess it's just like a, like a rig, like a rigged kind of skeleton yeah, thing there. I would not have guessed that it's actually the physics of the big metal things attached to it that control the the maneuver area of that of that little cart like that's yeah it's fascinating that you rely on that your physics cool. engine for that yeah that is super cool yeah cool good discovery nice yeah. more cool bugs that we can talk about and less yeah. sad bet... bugs <laughs> yeah i uh it would be it would be interesting i'm sure there's some stuff or maybe not. Maybe it's not reliable enough to use for a speedrun, but it would be interesting to see if the speedrun does some intentional, like, loading and unloading of things in scenes to, to get around puzzles. Yeah. I mean, you'd think they probably must. I mean, it's it didn't... A... Like, this particular one really didn't save me much time because the car, little car thing doesn't move very fast. That's so fair, it was yeah. probably not faster to go like down in that car thing than it would have been to just uh to do it the normal way but uh but you could have theoretically gone down and then jumped out of the thing before you hit that despawn plane and then you would have been you would have skipped that whole bit of climbing the ladder <laughs> again yeah. i don't know that that would be faster but it would have skipped something yeah <clears throat> every every millisecond counts i guess when you're speed running so yeah yeah huh well that's yeah, that's a great little anecdote. <laughs> yep. Um, <clears throat> the I guess like at the end we normally talk about uh, like sound, music, and art. Um, mm -hmm. The I think the art is incredibly effective for the mood that it's evoking, which is cool. Um, and the sound I think is the same. Like there's not a lot of music that plays. There's mostly like just ambient, eerie noising noises. And it suits yeah. it very well. And in the same way that the art is 
intentionally pretty pretty desaturated so that you can see gameplay elements the sound design works a lot in the same way um like with the the parade section you know you're relying a lot on the sound cues to kind of time yourself through that and obviously with the big the big shockwave pulses it it works in a similar way yeah Um, it's like you keep you're hearing the thing ahead of time and you're like there's something out there and whatever it is is clearly very powerful yeah and if i'm remembering that section correctly there there's like a there's like the sound of an impact and then there's a little bit of a delay before it before it can kill you so yeah there's like there's like a wind-up noise like a hum that Mm -hmm. starts and it's like boom yeah yeah it is very effective yeah so they do a lot with like the ambience noise of like ramping it up Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. after you collect all the dudes when you need 20 dudes you once you collected them all and going towards the thing, it starts playing a lot of sounds, and they yeah. do a lot of those kinds of things. Yeah. Yeah, and and again, other sections are just. I was I was honestly surprised at how many portions of this game are extremely quiet. Um, yeah. Just yeah, just using the the full range of sound from extremely loud dogs barking and. Yeah. giant shockwaves killing you to just yeah, nothing and... but like the sound of water splashing and and feet hitting concrete yeah yep the little the little tip taps of your feet on the metal bars and whatnot mm-hmm. and they echo slightly because the space is so huge um there's also once you become flesh ball there's like the ambient like moaning and groaning noises coming uh, from the ball <laughs> that's yeah. like pretty intense yeah just just a an existence of pain yeah Ugh. yeah yep and even even when you've got like a big mass of zombie mans they kind of they vocalize a little bit like when they're yeah. when they're catching you or when they're throwing you yeah um <laughs> little grunts i do love my little zombie mans uh yeah um yeah i don't have yeah i mean apart from what we already said i don't think i have much else to say but effective yeah it's a very it's it's an intense game and i think you know i'm very as we've established well uh, in this program um i am very attracted to games that have a very like consistent tone to them that like really work that especially when that tone involves surrealism um and so you know this is like right up my alley yeah it's it's interesting that the because I know the other thing that that people will know if they if they have listened to the pod is that you have a pretty low threshold for like horror, horror elements yeah and this game I think really walks that balance yeah um, and it gives you like I like I you know we talked about earlier there's kind of those ebbs and flows um, between really tense moments and kind of like you're just moving through the space that yep. really I think saves it um, although that. There aren't There's a that, lot the... of jump scares either. Like, yeah, yeah. I think. I mean, like I said, I think the only real jump scare was the, the um, the preview of the the water child. Um, otherwise, there's, you. There's not even a lot of like body horror kind of stuff. Like there is a like the the flesh ball at the end being like the biggest example. But if you don't die a lot, you don't get a lot of the gruesome deaths. And yeah it's pretty easy to not die a lot because it's not 
the puzzles aren't that hard and the you know the platforming stuff is challenging but like not not a like frustrating oh i died on this three dozen times kind of frustrating yeah it's not a game that requires a huge amount of precision it's it's pretty forgiving as far as like if you you know if you're close to hitting a jump you can still catch the legend mantle um you know it, it and the even the the fall distance is pretty fair i think um in terms of like you can you can take some pretty big drops and just kind of tuck in a roll at the end um it it seems pretty obvious when you will not be able to survive a fall yeah so and i love that little roll yeah 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 so very yeah. well designed very moody and atmospheric just like very cool i enjoyed it a lot yeah so did i good and a good like a good bite-sized experience maybe not like nibble but like a like a full mouthful but not much more than that like yep. yeah <laughs> yeah it doesn't overstay its welcome as carl says there are some puzzles where it's like you you end up doing the same thing or variations on the same thing like three or four times it's like you could have just had them be twice right like um but yeah it doesn't i don't think it the game as a whole like suffers really badly for it um, it just, when it happens, it feels a little, like, padded. Yeah. Yeah, so that's been Limbo, or not Limbo, that's not been Limbo, that's been Inside. Um. No. And I mean, maybe I'll go back and play Limbo at some point and find that it's a, it's actually, like, an undiscovered gem that I'm really, like, not giving enough credit. Um, yeah, but it, hidden it, gem. Yeah, it's a thing that, like, looking at it on the surface, seeing other people play it, seeing the art style, seeing, like, the whole, its whole deal, I didn't, I wasn't compelled to try it. It didn't look like a thing I wanted to play. Whereas Inside, yeah. things I saw about Inside did make me want to play it. So, you know, take that for whatever it's worth. Maybe that it was just that the theme of the game appealed more to me in this particular one than Limbo's did. Um, yeah, I think, but... honestly, I think, like, the, the Limbo connection hurt it for me initially, because I think, yeah. I mean, I want to say, like, when this game came out, I think Sean Plot played it on a yeah. Friday. Yep. That, that and is I the watched... playthrough that I saw. Yeah, and I watched a little bit, and I was like, ah, this is another, this is another game like that. I don't care. And and it wasn't until much later when, well, basically when you had said, oh, I heard it's a lot better than Limbo, and I was like, okay, maybe I'll, maybe I'll give it a shot. And, and then I yeah. saw it on Game Pass, and I was like, okay, yeah, we'll do this. Um, yeah. This this one this one kind of made me want to go back and play Little Nightmares again. I like Little Little Nightmares quite a bit, although that's decidedly more of a horror experience. Um yeah. and a lot a lot harder on the the tension. There's mm -hmm. there's less less Downtime. ebb and more flow in, yeah. in Little Nightmares, but I haven't played the sequel to that either. Um, not that I think that's one that we necessarily need to do for the pod. It's probably too similar to this. Um, <laughs> there are definitely but... there are definitely moments of this game that are gonna stick with me that I'm gonna keep thinking about, right? Like seeing the the gravity defying water for the first time, or like the the little girl chase sequence, or the the fall, the non drowning fall, or even just like when you pull the submersible up to like an empty beach, and it's like just very strange that this like this beach is here in this spot, and it's like between parts of the facility and i don't know there's there's a lot of cool moments in this game yeah it's just i think it's 
the the very compelling idea of these cavernous interior spaces that yeah. is really uncanny and yeah. kind of inherently unwelcoming as Unca well. Uncanny is a good word for describing this. I was going to yeah. go with eerie, but I think I like uncanny better. There's a lot of uncanny in this in a way that's very cool. Yeah, like the only other games that I can think of that that play so much with with these huge interior spaces is like we said Portal 2 um previously and then there's another game that I played not so long ago that's just like a a pretty basic like alt history Nazi uh, World War 2 post-war alt history um walking sim game called Paradise Lost that deals with the similar ideas of like we we basically built a city underground uh to to uh to get away from the nuclear idea. fallout um like mm. i think i want to say the alt history part was that like the nazis were air quotes defeated by like basically massive uh massive nuclear attacks and just left mm. the surface like completely irradiated so they retreated underground to like i said these huge like entire cities built into the under part of a mountain um and it it, yeah. it has a lot of spaces like that. Not a I, great game, but it's it was a fun <laughs> enough game. I think Jacob Geller has a video essay on this idea of like buried cities. Mm -hmm. Um that it that was really cool. And I think he actually references the Forgotten City in that because he talks about how, you know, the cities. Oh, yeah, I guess the Forgotten City is another of, one like that. Built yeah. on top of other cities. Um let me I can't I I think I've recommended Jacob Geller's essays a lot on this yes. on this pod but I can't <laughs> recommend them enough they're ve they're all very good. Um yeah. let's see what are is it just called like buried cities? Um yeah, uh, after a city is buried. The 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 thumbnail says buried cities but there's one called after a city is buried. Um so you know Check that out. That's your homework for the the very rare homework I give out occasionally for this pod. That's your homework. Go check out yeah. that essay by Jacob Geller. Nice. Is that is that the same person who did the um the Naissance one or is that a different was yeah, that a different guy? That's the okay. same guy who did the Naissance one okay. about hostile architecture. That's yeah. that's what I was thinking. I know I've watched that and I have watched a couple of his other ones, but I couldn't remember if he was the yeah. same person. Okay, has, I'll have to check one, that out. He also has one recently on fear of the cold that made me afraid of cold in a way I never had been before. <laughs> oh no, I can't I can't listen to that one. I take too much solace in the cold. <laughs> yeah. Um, that one that one kind of viscerally upset me in an interesting way. Um he's good at what he does <laughs> as a video essayist. Anyway. Uh yeah, so that's uh inside. Next up, uh Carl, what are we playing next? Next we're playing Haven by the Game Bakers, which previously made Fury one of my favorite games. Yeah. And that was a tight, fast-paced action game, and this is the complete opposite. <laughs> yeah, so we'll see it's... if this lives up to that. I, I I remember like I I can picture Fury, but I can't. Is that a boss rush game, or am I thinking of a different one? It's the boss rush game. Okay, gotcha. Then that's what I was thinking of. I know I 
I think I saw that and recommended it to Evan. He really liked it. Even I like it's definitely not the kind of thing I would play, but he really liked it. So yeah. And Carl has Haven been trying is... to get us to play this game for like possibly years at this point. I think the only reason that we've been balking at it is because it's kind of a longer one. It so... is long. Yeah. Fair warning, this may be an extended an extended yeah. episode. It's definitely so. going to be three weeks. It may be four. That's um, fair, yeah. We'll see. I yeah. tried to figure out a way how to explain this game, but it's like a third-person adventure exploration romance game. I mean, that sounds intriguing to me, so... Yeah. I feel like we need more romance in games that are not... That is... A not specifically like a dating sim and b not just kind of a throwaway character moment in like a big budget action game yeah like it's not not just an excuse for oh well the hero also gets the girl um i think we need so, something that kind of goes through the middle of that for it's that that's people. why i like haven actually because they feel like a real couple to some okay. extent i guess we'll yeah see. like that's it's compelling. not like a new new crush. Like they're an established couple. Okay, that's good. Yeah, I'm 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 definitely um invested in the idea of this. So I will drag myself out of the Morrowind hole <laughs> <laughs> for long enough. Uh, here's the fucked up thing about Morrowind. I might be wrong. There might be like one romance option if you have a female character, but. There are the only romance options that I can remember off the top of my head are exclusive to if you have a male player character. Mm. No, you can't romance these ladies if you have a female character. Uh, it's it's a purely hetero, um, which which is annoying because I typically don't play male characters in these games. They look doofy like why i never played male characters in world of warcraft because they all look just fucking doofusy um but anyway that's a yeah that's neither here nor there yeah the point Wait, is even. it's gonna take a little while yes that too that's the other point uh so, so we'll we'll get back to you when uh when we've played it yeah absolutely um until then you can check us out on twitter at feedback force um we I'll I'll try to I I don't usually do this if we're like gonna be late a week, but I'll try to kind of keep keep y'all apprised of the situation when we plan on recording next. Yeah. Um. We'll once we decide to do that. Out. Um. Yeah. You can you can do that, and you can also find me on Twitter at Kelso Time Bomb. I don't do much there, but I think most recently I was tweeting pictures of uh, Garth, just absolutely mystified by the concept of an apple that I was eating. So there's that. All right. Um, sorry, we're doing shoutouts. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I like spaced out for the past like thirty seconds. No, that's fair. Um, it happens sometimes. Uh, I am at Kyla underscore Go on Twitter. Uh, you can find me there. I occasionally post uh pictures of Escher, but if you really want to follow Escher, you should follow me on Instagram. Uh, Instagram.com slash uh, Kyla Gorman Fury, I believe, um, and uh, and that's where that's where all the pics of Escher are going to be. Uh, you can also check out my game Wintermore Tactics Club, uh, which is on all the consoles and 
uh, all the modern consoles and on um, PC as well. And it's a good game. It's a narrative tactics game. Nice. Check it out. Nice. Yeah, do check it out. Do it. And you can follow me on Twitter at skug3. And I might soon have stuff on the Nintendo Switch. Yeah. Yeah, boy. That's exciting. Just, uh, not fail certification first. <laughs> yeah. yeah, fingers crossed for that. For cert. Yeah. Okay. Very cool. All right. Yeah. All right. That's thanks, it. everybody, for uh, for coming and, and listening to our show. And we'll talk to you again when we're, when we're ready. Yeah, hopefully I remember to start the recording next time we do a pod. Uh, yeah, you know. One of us hopefully will. Yeah, sometimes you just, uh, sometimes you just gotta have a chat before you, before you start the podcast. Yep. And then do it all over again. But yeah, that's, uh, yeah, we'll talk to y'all next time. Thank you and goodbye. Bye. Bye.